Good morning. Good morning and happy new year. Hope you guys had an awesome new year's. Um, I was in Vegas and I think I got a little a scratchy throat. Um, it's not COVID. So far I tested negative, but a little under the weather, but uh, hence the turtleneck. But uh, yeah, I'll give you guys a few seconds to hop on. Um, Logan is also with us remotely and uh, we got your questions and uh, it's gonna be our first call of 2022. I'm excited for this year uh, to get more in my deal, deal flow and already got a deal I closed uh, on December 29th, the 12 story building. So I gotta fly out there, go to work, uh, add my value to that property and hopefully sell it for a third time for a great profit. Um, good morning, Michael, Chris, Dean. Um, happy New Year to you guys. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll get started. And um, first question is from Suraj. I have purchased all my current residences under my living trust. I'm venturing now into commercial real estate. Do you suggest purchasing under a living trust or do you recommend forming a new LLC for properties? or some other recommendations to buy in uh, that title the property is under. Uh, well, Suraj, it, you know, it's best to consult your attorney, but how I do it, I do have LLCs for each commercial property and my LLCs are owned by my living trust. And um, I do have also a real estate management company, the Koshbin company, which is the manager for these LLCs. But it's, you know, everyone's gonna have a different structure, but. You know, a standard uh, practice in uh, with real estate investors is to form a separate uh, purpose entity called SPE um, for each asset. So if somebody falls down on one property, they're not going to do a lien search uh, or property search and, uh, you know, come after all your other properties, right? So it's you know, definitely check with your attorney. And um, so Suraj has four questions for us today. His second question is, if I'm taking over a commercial tenant lease with purchasing the property, is it allowed for the property manager company, which is the seller, uh, to use, charge me a higher cost for managing it? Do I need the property management company have to honor the previously agreed terms as a commercial tenant for the lease? Uh, Suraj, this is two-part question. First question is property management fees are negotiable. And typically they're 3% of the uh, gross rents uh, received. And then the second part question is, uh, do you have to honor the lease? Yeah, the lease you assume and you do have to honor it. Um, so it's uh, I'm a bit confused on your question, but hopefully I answered it. Uh, Suraj, third question is, what are your thoughts on purchasing properties? lower than your criteria for population density and income level if it's an, in an area sig with significant new housing communities under construction and also other commercial developments under construction. Um, there is exception to my rule for density and that exception is if you're buying a property that has an anchor tenant that does wonderful sales per foot, that means brings in a lot of foot traffic to your center, then the exception applies uh, just like I am buying a property in Virginia uh, that doesn't meet my criteria for density, but it does have food lion, um, very big grocer uh, chain. 
as well as tractor supply and dollar general so three major credit that draws traffic from five mile radius to the center so hence i'm not too concerned about the density right all right and suraj last question is uh, is three to five percent of monthly rents acceptable in your opinion as a single tenant commercial property management fee uh no uh, if it's a single tenant typically there is no management fee uh if it's a single tenant credit you know let's just use uh, mcdonald's uh you have very little to do with uh, managing that property they ach the rent to you it's an absolute triple net lease typically they handle all the hvac parking lot um now if it's a double net uh, or not an absolute triple net lease it's just a regular triple net single tenant if you had to hire a, a third party management it would probably be two percent it's minimal because it's a single tenant they're not going to handle any tenant relation issues uh, when it comes to a single tenant uh, credit commercial property. Um, but if it's a multi-tenant retail office, typically it's 3%. 5% is more for apartment buildings uh, that are, uh, you know, a lot of units and a lot of headache <laughs> to deal with. All right, let's move on to Magnus. Um, Happy New Year, Magnus. If you have a 1031 exchange identification deadline coming up in two weeks, ouch, I hate to be in that position. I've been there many times. And you need to buy $1.2 million income property, but you're unable to find anything worthy, what would you do? Um, well, Magnus, two weeks is a long time. So I would say expand your horizon, go nationwide, find a property that at least gives you a good cash flow maybe doesn't have future upside on value uh, demographically, but at least park your money where you avoid paying that 20, 30, 40% tax. Um, and also uh, you do have option to list up to three properties or unlimited properties if you use a 200% rule uh, for the 1031 exchange. Your other alternative is, um, you know, Move, move the money to opportunity uh, zone fund. There is a lot of funds out there. I don't recommend it. I'd rather pay the taxes than be stuck in a 10-year fund. Uh, but you don't have really much more options than uh, just expanding your horizon and listing more properties. And remember this also, you have two weeks deadline to identify, but you still have another four and a half months to make your decision on the properties you listed. So you still have some time, but in terms of IDing properties, yes, uh, that's a very painful scenario. Um, I guess he has some other ideas. Here are some of the items I'm considering doing. Buying a cheap three to four uh, sub 500,000 properties, buy a triple net single tenant, uh, and that could be a higher leverage and liquid. Buy a highly liquid single family home in a nice area and have a buddy sign a one month lease to meet the exchange income requirement. Uh, call and email all the brokers you've ever in interacted with and ask them to send you deals. Call all their owners directly. I've looked at everything recently, listened on CoStar nationally in the last three weeks. Okay, so I guess you have looked. 
um, and you don't see anything in 500,000 to $4 million range, you're excited to buy. Um, yeah, it is definitely a growing pain if you're in 1031. And this is why, you know, I like to flip properties that um, have, you know, seven plus cap rates with some credit tenants, like the one in Virginia I'm buying, uh, because there is a lot of liquidity out there, especially on a 1031 side. Um, so just look for something that you can add value and has a seven plus cap so you can kind of park your money and hopefully flip it to another 1031 exchange. But yeah, I like everything you listed here, Magnus. I would say all of the above. Um, I'm not so sure about buying a single family home um, and have your buddy rent it. If you find one that uh, is in a very hot market, it may be a good option. <clears throat> But um, that's going to be a difficult one because, you know, it really doesn't have cash flow. All right. Let's move on to Ryan. What do you think is the best way to protect yourself from lawsuits in residential real estate? For example, create an LLC for each property, buy a large umbrella policy. <laughs> well, Ryan, it all depends. First off, you want to make sure you have a very good insurance broker so you are well covered. All right. Don't go for cheap premium. Sometimes it's good to pay extra premium and get additional endorse, endorse, endorsements uh, to cover you uh, for unforeseen situations. Second, have a good attorney. Um, if you're referring to having a lawsuit with your tenant in a in your home, rental home, uh, you want <clears throat> you want to make sure you have pretty good uh, disclosures and a good uh, hefty lease to protect you against ADA and all these other kind of liabilities. And lastly, of course, umbrella liability uh, definitely is, you know, recommended um, because, you know, most insurance, home insurance have a limited liability and it's, you know, it's good to get three to $5 million umbrella because if something major happens, they're not going to sue you for 200 grand. It's going to be multi-million dollars. Um, next one's from Robin. Can you share your 20, 2022 measurable goals with us? Wow. Well, this is a long list. <laughs> uh, my goals are, in, in a nutshell, my top four goals would be, obviously, the Koshman's headquarters to finish the design with that and start planning my uh, TIs for the event center, um, as well as getting a, a great residential architect architect to go ahead give me some um, ideas on what would the development look like if I were to do high density residential apartments on it uh, that's really my long-term plan but I do want to roll that you know roll the ball and start engaging an architect and lastly you know sell this building um, moving to my headquarters and uh, do have an app Fuzul that I love to launch I've been working for four or five years on it uh, those are my top, really my other ones would be vacation, spending time with, more time with family and my wife. But uh, those are my, I would say, top four. Uh, all right. Inosh, I hope I didn't mispronounce uh, your name. Um, he's got uh, two questions for us. First one, what is your opinion on purchasing a multifamily building with the intent to develop to high-density, multi-story condos or townhomes? Um, well, that sounds like a very sexy idea, but the pricing of 
uh, multifamily right now is so high and their cost of construction is so high, unless you have a very reasonable price uh, for your land, uh, most properties will not pan out. Um, I got lucky buying the uh, you know Trinity Church building. I paid 22 million for 6.2 acres. So that's about 50 cents on a dollar on land value, even actually less, 40 cents on a dollar. Similar property sold for 55 million to developer uh, within three blocks away. So if you can find a property that your land value is, you know, uh, you know, at least 50% below market, then it makes sense. But most properties will not pan out, but it's a great, uh, you know, way to add value in a, to build high density residential if you can get the dirt price right and it's the right market the only uh concern would be obviously if we do hit a very steep recession which i expect we will by the time you're completing your property it's going to be very difficult to take out your construction loan and probably lease your uh, development so there is very big risk with it okay second question what is the necessary ROI to consider this kind of project since it can take three to five years to go through entitlements and construction. I've never done developments, to be frank. Um, I'm considering it on my property, uh, the church I bought, only because I have three developers after me to buy it and pay me a very big profit <laughs> for a quick flip. And I'm starting to see the, their vision and the profit in the project. So I'm going to take a look at it. Um, my average return is 25 to 30% a year. If you're asking me, that's what I would be looking uh, to do uh, with all the headache and risk I'm gonna take. I would probably want 40% a year return. So if it takes five years, I want a 200% return, right? So give, it, give you an idea. All right, next one's from Zoran. Did you ever build a new strip center or office building before? Uh, nope, I never built anything from scratch. Um, I saw a new mixed unit building being built that has a storefronts on the bottom and condos on top. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, these to build. Um, so these are called mixed use, uh, Zoran. In many markets, they are not favored by lenders um, because you typically have, you know, a spa, maybe a nail salon um, on the first floor, maybe a small deli, and then you have residences on top. So it's not a big retail center where it draws uh, from, you know, <laughs> two, three mile radius um, population. So it's a very much tailored to that vicinity, right, for that property. So lenders don't like mixed use. Um, and for that reason, they, you know, they like to be a single classified property, whether it's apartment, multifamily, or retail or office. But in some markets, especially downtown, you know, this type of properties um, are successful. All right, next one's from Mozzie. Hey, Manny, I've been sitting on the sidelines, learning and waiting for the right opportunities to start coming into the market. I have access to about $200,000 of capital. So one, what would you do in my position? Would you find some value at residential real estate to flip to continue building your investment amount of a, uh, for a commercial property? or wait for more opportunities to flood the market than take action. Um, that's really a tough position to be in because at $200,000, um, you're not in a position to 
single-handedly go and buy a commercial property, especially in California, you may be able to do it on a, sm a small strip center out of a state. Um, and it's, uh, you know, getting involved with residential, I would say is a bit risky at this point. If the Fed does take the rates up, which I expect they will, they have announced, uh, you know, they're going to do three hikes this year. I mean, that's going to definitely dampen the residential market. And you don't want to be buying at the tip top of the market in residential and then be a stuck, uh, you know, have your $200,000 stuck in a property. I'd much rather you waited this long, wait some more. And, uh, you know, if you do want to look outside of, uh, you know, California, there may be some deals where you could buy, you know, that's mismanaged, add a little bit of value and quickly flip it, you know, before, you know, we have this next recession. But my first choice would be to wait. All right. Next one is from uh, Ray Raven. Um, I currently work at a commercial real estate lender as an underwriter for large multifamily deals across the United States. I know you mentioned that finding a seller finance deal in SoCal would be hard, especially with a high LTV, but my goal for 2022 is to get into an investment property, either retail or multifamily. Uh, does it make sense to go out of state for deals, submarkets that have a low supply with, um, uh, price per unit around fifty to seventy thousand, or try to find a unique situation like what your broker did for you in the first strip center in Whittier, California, here in Orange County, California. Uh, for reference, I'm twenty three years old and have around fifty to hundred thousand to invest in upcoming deals. <clears throat> well, Raven, first of all, congrats you on the job you have uh, as an underwriter. You get to underwrite deals, so you are pretty much an analytical person, which is very much a key to be successful in commercial real estate, to analyze properties and underwrite, do projections. Uh, back to your question, if I were you, I would wait for the market to soften, which it will, and then use your 50 to 100,000 to buy a fourplex using FHA, so you will get high leverage, and buy one you know that um, obviously has a better unit mix, that has deferred maintenance and has vacancy, it will happen. I mean, I saw that happen in 2008, 2009, um, and also in the early 2000s when we had the dot-com bubble bust. Uh, it will happen. Uh, your other option is if you're very antsy and you can't wait uh, a year to two year, uh, whatever, whenever that comes, then you can go out of the state and look at multifamily deals, you know, in Houston, Dallas, um, San Antonio, Austin, there's a lot of great markets, but I have to warn you, there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone because everybody's chasing those deals. Uh, but if you had to find a value add deal out of a state, you will definitely have a better shot at it out of a state than looking in California. Uh, but that's it. I think that's the last of my questions from you guys. If you would please post your questions to the, uh, in the comment section so Logan can read them off to me. And uh, I know it's the first week of 2022, and a lot of you guys may be out of town, still with your families. Again, Happy New Year. And I'll hand it over to Logan. All right. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, we do have a couple more questions that came in the Facebook group, and then we will keep a lookout inside of the comments as well. 
Um, so our first question is going to be from Chris. Uh, he said, I purchased my first property last summer and it's currently set to be completed next month. It's already increased in value and I've already received a few offers from others wanting to purchase it. How do you determine when to sell and what metrics are you looking for? Well, it's a two-part question. I mean, have you finished adding your value? Now, is the property stabilized? If it's fully stabilized, you rented it out, you add your lipstick to it, and your only upside is the market going forward. At that point, I would sell it, whether it's been a month or it's been a year owning it. So that's what would dictate and uh, when I would want to unload the property. If you know there is not much more meat left on the bone, I would definitely sell it now while the market's still hot and investors have appetite for risk. All right. Uh, next question from new member, Madison. Welcome, Madison. Welcome. Um, she commented, we currently own three single family rental properties in Utah with a cash flow of 1500 per month. We want to transition to large commercial multifamily properties. If we sold all three, we would have 200,000 to work with. Would you recommend selling now and looking for a commercial deal to buy this spring? Um, and then what can we do to get the biggest return on our 200000 hmm, That's tough. I'm assuming you don't have much uh, loan on these properties. And what, what would your capital gain taxes be? Um, th there is a lot that goes into you know, uh, coming up with the right answer, right? Or the best answer. Uh, commercial property... $200,000, again, it's going to be tough to find a deal uh, unless you find a small neighborhood center where you could get the seller to carry the loan or, you know, you may qualify for a loan um, if the property has, you know, the sufficient cash flow for the debt service. But that would be my objective. I don't think holding those uh, three residential properties are going to uh, fare well in the next three years, in my opinion because the fact is rates are going up and rents, uh, rental uh, you know, uh, amounts are becoming more and more unaffordable. So you have capped out on rent increases regardless of inflation, but the interest rate has already bottomed and it's already telling you it's gonna go up. So you got a you know, bad combination, in my opinion, for residential uh, asset class, and I would sell it. Uh, and look for a better uh, opportunity to park your money. And neighborhood centers are great. You know, this would be a small, you know, five to six unit neighborhood center that has your 7-Eleven, your eye doctor, chiropractor, you know, your uh, dry cleaners and things of that nature. I think those will fare well uh, because they're e-commerce resistance and you also tailor to the neighborhood and everybody needs a last minute thing to pick up. And first thing they want to do is drive over to the neighborhood center. So. Um, I would opt for that if you find one. All right. Uh, next question from Russell. He said, good morning, Manny. Would you consider a rigorous fitness resume, uh, resume a positive catalyst to focus your mind and increase other motivations to generally improve life goals and happiness? Of course. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, your, your question is if, if, if I would recommend uh, – uh, fitness, uh, you know, routine, positive calories. Why not? That's what I do every day. I do four days a week. I work out. Um, and I have to tell you, I've been doing that for 25, 30, 40 years. 
Um, I have had periods where I didn't work out, um, but over the long run, you know, the fitness has been a massive, massive part of my success. You know, my mindset is everything about the mindset. Awesome. Um, and then Will asked, what's the plan for the new HQ building, the new headquarters? Yeah, so I'm going to occupy two floors out of six, and the rest of it is going to be ballrooms for event center, do weddings while I get my entitlements to build four to 500 uh, apartments on it. Awesome. And then let's see here. Uh, Wash Tech said, hi, Manny. I'm selling my multifamily property. How much time do you give buyers for inspection and due diligence? Depends. If it's uh, one to four unit, usually 17 days, max 30 days. If it's uh, four unit to 24 units or, you know, uh, larger, you know, typically it's 45 day due diligence. But I would in no, under no circumstances, tie it up more than 45 days. All right. And then we have uh, another question from Jonas. He said, do you have... Do you or have you owned any self-storage in the past? And what is your opinion on how this asset class compares to others? It seems this asset class has a high percentage of mom and pop owners with great opportunity to add value. Yeah, you know, um, self-storage places is actually not much you can do to add value because nobody cares what color they are, how if it's a smooth stucco as awning, it's a storage place. And storage places trade at a very narrow range uh, cap rate. There is not a lot of meat on the bone, but they're great cash cow uh, if you build them. And if you buy it, you're parking your money. But the upside is only if it's grossly mismanaged. In other words, if they're not marketing it and they got you know, 10%, 15% vacancy, usually most storage places are near occupancy of 98 to 99%, sometimes 100%, and they have a wait list. So for that reason, there is nothing you can do unless you push rents up a bit. Um, adding lipstick usually doesn't uh, improve your cash flow uh, because it's in a storage place. So I've never owned one. All right. And it looks like that's it for the day on the comments and questions that we had sent in. All right. Well, happy new year again, guys. Um, this was a great call. I wish you guys an amazing year. And I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Till then, be safe, be well. And uh, thank you. Thanks, Logan. Hope you feel better. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year. Take care, guys.